0: This is the second abduction of a young woman in Bonneville County in nine months. The first was 20-year-old Amber Hoops, September of last year. The family today said that Keith Hescock was the first name they gave to investigators the morning Amber disappeared. See Hescock worked at Classic Truck and Auto Body, the family business, and Amber lived next door.
1: If he is proven to be the person who took our, our Amber, then he's gone
0: and he's the only one that knows, possibly, maybe there's another person out there that knows. And now maybe if it is him and he's gone, maybe someone will come forward and not be afraid. Tomorrow and Saturday, the family will start searching again, focusing on the area where the chase ended.
1: This is She's Missing. This podcast discusses criminal behavior, kidnapping, gun violence, suicide, and adult themes. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. We ask that if you know Megan or her family, that you continue to help protect her identity. During the news coverage on KPVI News Channel 6, Amber's aunt, Audra Bergner, bravely represented the Hoops family as their spokesperson. The pain in her voice was evident as she acknowledged the added difficulty in finding answers now that Hescock was dead. He had worked for the Hoops family at Classic Auto Body from 1992 to 1998. Hescock was the initial suspect when the police inquired about potential motives. Because of the unfriendly terms of his departure with Amber's grandpa, the Hoops family felt he had to have something to do with it. Although Megan had directly asked Hescock if he was involved in Amber's disappearance and received a denial, she also remained convinced that he played a role. As the investigation continued, Hescock remained a person of interest for the authorities, despite having an alibi. I mean, his answer was just
2: weird. I mean, I know he said no, but he did. He just paused and he just looked away for a little while. And then when he looked right back at me, he was just like, no. But then, too, I don't know. Even if he did, why would he ever admit it? But it was just odd. I don't know. And then the facts in her case. There's so much that points to that. That weekend, or sometime, shortly after, we had decided. We went up and were searching for Amber Hoops again. And, um... We got to go see where the shootout happened. And that was really kind of a closure thing, too, like getting to see. I mean, there was still like blood on the ground that they had covered. I mean, you could tell that dirt was on and stuff, but it was like you knew that this is where it ended and it was done.
1: Following the shooting, there was some uncertainty surrounding Hescock's cause of death leaving investigators unsure whether he had taken his own life or if he was shot by the deputies. Madison County was responsible for conducting the shooting investigation. Carol Honus from Local News 8 interviewed Madison County Sheriff Klingler to discuss the findings of the autopsy and shed light on the cause of death. Madison County held a press conference this morning to give the findings of the shootout investigation between the deputies and the suspect. Sheriff Roy Klingler says the autopsy of the suspect, Hescock, confirms his death was self-inflicted. As Hescock's truck reached the Red Butte area of Madison County on Wednesday night, it became high-centered on a berm, and he fled on foot with a handgun. Klingler says a canine officer was released. The suspect shot and killed the police dog, then shot and wounded At this Sergeant Raymond.
0: fired on the suspect. Uh, one of the uh, rounds had hit the suspect in the left, left shoulder bullet were lodged in his left clavicle. Uh, Probably would not have been uh, a life-threatening injury. Uh, Suspect then turned his pistol on himself and shot himself in the head.
1: While some individuals wished Hescock had been apprehended alive, those who had previous encounters with him were not surprised by the outcome. Chris Reed was a detective who had previously worked on the Amber Hoops investigation. Here are his reflections on the matter.
3: Hescock was the kind of guy that I don't think he would have ever told us anything. I think he could have put him in prison for the rest of his life, and he would have never, ever said anything. He would have died taking his secrets with him. I think he knew a lot more. Uh, I think he had a lot of skeletons in the closet. I doubt that he would have told us even if we would have interviewed him, but you know, Things change, and even if we'd had the chance to put him in prison, and he had been in prison for thirty or forty years, who knows what might have changed, and we might have had some answers. Um but unfortunately, you know, now we'll never know. Yeah, he had his mind made up. I mean as soon as that pursuit started That dog I've always believed probably saved deputies' lives because I think his whole intention when he got out of that truck and headed down that road was to lure as many deputies as he could. And then at some point in time, he was going to turn around and ambush him and he would shoot until he was dead. And fortunately for us, Rick saved that scenario because when he turned around, Rick was on him and he shot Rick. And then from there, the gun battle started. But. When he shot Rick it gave deputies, I mean, obviously they knew what was going to happen then and everybody was diving for cover and shooting. So I've always believed that when he got out of that truck, he had a plan. He knew exactly what he was going to do. I think he intended to take as many cops with him as he could. He knew he was going to die. And because of that dog, it was a distraction enough that it probably saved some deputies. That's what I've always thought.
1: A memorial service to honor K-9 Rick was held two weeks after Megan's escape. During the ceremony, Deputy Shiffler was recognized with the Medal of Valor, which he received not only for his own bravery, but also in honor of K-9 Rick's courageous sacrifice. Tragically, K-9 Rick had only been serving as a deputy for one year when he lost his life, becoming the second police canine to be killed in the line of duty in the state of Idaho. Deputy Lovell and Sergeant Raymond were both bestowed with the Medal of Valor for their exceptional acts of bravery during the incident. Sergeant Raymond also received the Purple Heart for his injuries sustained in the line of duty. During the memorial, Local News 8 interviewed Deputy Shiffler, K-9 Rick's partner, and he shared some reflections on Rick's bravery and the bond they shared.
0: He's a tough loss. I mean, ever since I got him, a uh, year ago he's been with me every day every day and uh, it's tough not to have him around anymore but he saved us and he gave us time and no man's going to run up there and grab a hold of that man like like Rick did Rick was excellent i mean he when it was like they'd set in there when it was time to work Rick was perfect he worked just like he was supposed to and, and it was impressive even though he died to watch him run up there and, and do it as good as he did just hearing over and over that he was a hero it helps you know helps you realize i didn't send him up there for nothing to have everybody here to to stand behind me and show you see canines from all over the state come here you know it it makes you feel good that you didn't lose him for, for nothing
1: Even after years have passed, my brief phone conversations with Deputy Schiffler in preparation for this podcast revealed that the events of June 5th are still very painful to talk about. After the memorial service for Canine Rick, Governor Kempthorne privately presented Megan with a Medal of Heroism. He went on to explain to reporters why she deserved this prestigious award recognizing Megan's bravery and courageous actions during her escape, which inspired the entire community.
0: There's no doubt in my mind that this individual would continue to do the same thing to young ladies until stopped. Um, Because of Megan, he was stopped. If it had not been for Megan, we don't know how many more tragedies would have ensued.
1: Megan's friend Kira remembers attending the memorial with her. I was able to go with her um, to that memorial service, and she was given a, a medal after, and um, and so that was kind of a, a unique experience to kind of go with her and, and be with her for that as well. Anyway, I know that was kind of a little bit more difficult day to kind of sit through hearing her own words read and uh, and and that memorial service for the dog, I know it's hard. She's always had a soft spot for dogs. She wrote the words and somebody read it for her on her behalf. Um, And it's, I believe it was the details of kind of what happened. And then she uh, gave a, a thank you to the, all of the police officers, but especially to the officer that was shot and the canine that was killed. After the ceremony, Todd Raymond and his wife Pam were interviewed about their experiences.
0: Hescock was uh, probably the most evil man I have uh, known in my career. And uh, the world's a safer place without him.
1: Everyone imagines the, the knock at the door or the phone call. You know, you always think that you know how you'll handle it. Uh, I didn't really handle it the way I thought I would have. Um, the, the thought that went through my mind was, was a panic i don't know if it's adrenaline but it felt like fire was going through my veins my heart was beating the the 10-minute drive i had to make to meet this officer seemed like 20 minutes despite megan's young age of 14 she displayed remarkable emotional maturity she deeply understood and valued the sacrifices made by the deputies and their families and expressed her heartfelt appreciation Sergeant Todd Raymond recounted a particularly touching and special experience he had with Megan in the weeks that followed the shooting.
4: When I was home recovering, uh, waiting to go back to work, Megan and her family wanted to come visit. And it was probably a few weeks after it happened, maybe a month, and they they all came, and you know we just we just visited, and they were telling me thank you, which it was. I was just doing my job, and if 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 it wasn't me, it could have been any one of the other deputies. So it was nothing special about me. And I, I told them thanks for caring, and and appreciated them coming over. And then Megan specifically uh, told me to show you how how deep of a thinker she is. She said, you don't understand that first bullet out of the gun that you took would have been the one that I took. Um, That Hescock continued with what he was doing. That still just shakes me up whenever I think about that. For a girl of that age to have that kind of uh, solid thinker, really thought that through. I'd never, I hadn't even, that hadn't even crossed my mind or I hadn't even thought about that. But um, yeah, what a strong, strong girl. Um, Yeah, will to to survive and strong and and, uh, quick thinker, for sure.
1: Do you remember going to see Todd Raymond after he was shot? I do.
2: I was so excited. I was so <laughs> nervous. And I was so excited. It was, it was so cool. I remember getting the picture with him and I remember him having his leg all wrapped up and he was on crutches. Um, I just remember looking at him. I'm still 14, but I just thought what the coolest guy he was and that he did that and he did it for me. And then even to see him and he had a smile on his face and it, He was so cool. He's just the coolest guy. I just remember he was just my hero. And I just was in awe of him. There's things that I am like, I'm so sorry you guys had to go through that for me. Like, I, you're almost ashamed about it. because you're just like, I'm so sorry I put that on you. And I'm so sorry that you guys had to see that and that you guys had to deal with all the evidence collecting and, and the shootout and the high speed chase. All these things. And yet at the same time. I'm so grateful. As that little girl. That those guys were just so willing. To just put their lives on the line. They didn't even know what was going on. Like they just get this call. And this chase is happening. Like they didn't have any information hardly. You know what I mean? But like they just did it. Society... <laughs> Like this whole anti-law enforcement thing and people are down on men and being that little girl, we need those people in society. Like we need those guys that are strong men that are willing to just give their lives and they don't even know why or what's happening, but they're willing to risk everything for times like those. And I just want them to know that... I just love each one of them so much. I've told them all, but like, honestly, every single one of them is such a hero to me. Like, I still look at them, I know I'm like an adult now, I still look at them as that little girl is just looking up these big guys and just thinking, wow, you're so cool. You were part of my story and like, you helped me through something so tragic. And because of you, and because of it being such a success, I'm okay today because you were there in that moment and I just want them to know that they just they're so important to me I'm just so grateful and I don't know how else to repay them but then other than to just go live a good life like that's all they know how to do
1: Megan's genuine care and compassion for the deputies and Amber's family were evident then and continue to this day. During the search for Amber in the following weeks, Megan and her family actively participated in the efforts and offered support in any way they could. Megan's sister, Nicole, recalls attending a candlelight vigil held in honor of Amber during that time. I know that we had gone to a
2: service for Amber Hoops and with the Hoops family. And that was another time that my parents took a minute to kind of explain what had happened. I just remember everyone had candles and everyone was just crying. And the whole time I just was like, my sister got to come home. How lucky are we? Because we could be here and we wouldn't know where she was. And so for that, it really was a big eye-opening moment for me that my sister got to come home and not everybody's does. Like, survivor's guilt is a real thing, because you just always wonder, why? Like, why did she not get to come home? And why did I come home? And there's obviously God had some reason for why things play out the way that they do. But I do wonder that. Like, why didn't she get to come home?
0: She will never give up, whether this so happens to be the perpetrator who did this to Amber. Um... I guarantee you we'll never give up. So we just keep on going day by day.
1: It's been more than two decades now, but I imagine Amber's family is still taking it day by day. Even after all these years, her disappearance lingers in my mind often. Every time I pass by Classic Auto Body or drive up Highway 26, memories of her disappearance resurface. It's the same when I run into someone from high school. Amber was a senior when I was a freshman in high school, and although I didn't know her personally, I've heard so much about her from others. They describe her as quiet, kind, and friendly. Even today, the community still holds Amber close in their hearts, hoping that one day she'll be found. There's a statement from Deputy Chris Reed that really sums up this feeling.
3: I have just always wanted to know and you know they say that when you get when you die and go to heaven you you'll learn the mysteries of the universe and I have always wanted to know where Amber Hoops is. I've told my wife that that's the first thing that I want to discover is where Amber Hoops is because needless to say you work on a case like that and you know with the family and uh it leaves an impression that you'll never forget. I just, and I was just a deputy that was working on the case, but I can only imagine how her family feels that there would be some closure for so many people if we could just find her. And, uh, you know, we may not have all the answers ever, but we would at least have that. And I think that would bring some comfort to a lot of people.
1: If any of you have information that may help us find Amber, please contact Bonneville County Sheriff's Office at 208-529-1200 or by going to ifcrime.org. Even though 21 years have passed, your thoughts and ideas could still make the difference. Whether it's something big or small, don't hesitate to share it. Anything is possible, and your contribution might hold the key we've been looking for all this time. So let's come together and keep the hope alive. This podcast was produced by me, Emily. Be sure to stay tuned until the end to hear a preview of the next episode. While the timeline may not be exact, the facts of this case are laid out as close as the memories of those involved allowed you can find additional information on our website shesmissingpodcast.com she's missing is a search party media production
3: when we lived in florida he went by mark everyone over there knew him by mark And when we moved up from Florida, there was another family that moved with us, and they had kept calling him Mark, so he kind of brought both names with him to Idaho, and so people would call him by Bull, but
1: his actual name is Keith. So Keith Glenn Hescock Jr. was his given name. Do you have any idea why he started to go by Mark?
3: no i asked my mom and she said that was the name he was using down in florida yeah because no one in our house like our family is called mark either so i'm not really sure why he started using that name